right. Hey, welcome back to another episode of the Good Advice Podcast. It's a little bit of an odd episode today because I'm recording this pretty late at night, a little cozy evening episode on the podcast. Of course, you're probably listening, driving to work somewhere or maybe in your pastime, you know, whatever hobby you're working on, whatever you're doing, I appreciate the chance to be joining you today. And uh, we got a lot to talk about today. We got some things that have been happening in the business world that I think we can learn a thing or two from. We got to talk about subscriptions today. This thing that I have been surprised, and maybe even the topic today isn't subscriptions. Maybe it's just the wild and crazy things that businesses do to frankly squeeze out every last dollar from their customer. And I really, I honestly don't mean that in a cynical way. I think that many businesses have it backwards where they are thinking about how do I get the most significant ROI from the average customer. And because of that, a lot of businesses are really struggling when it comes to building long-term fans of the business. All that and more is on today's show today, but before we get into it, let's hear a word about one of the amazing businesses we love to talk about on the podcast. We'll be right back. Stay tuned. Talk soon. You know that feeling at 10 o'clock at night when you finished a long day of work and you're trying to figure out all the financials of your business? Well, the good news is you don't have to be an expert in this space. You got to just know who is the expert to call. That person is Steve Lay with Equity Business Solutions, and he does business bookkeeping services better than anyone else I know. By not only helping you manage your books, he can also be the expert to help you understand your books. On top of that, he also handles payroll for businesses and really takes the worry and stress of managing all of these things so that you can focus on running your business well. So what are you waiting for? Stop wasting time trying to understand all these elements of your business. Call Steve Lay at Equity Business Solutions and he'll show you the value beyond the numbers. Go to equitybusinesssolutionsllc.com to find out more. So I honestly had a bit of a tough time figuring out what I wanted to talk about for this episode. Uh, in fact, I actually started this episode, like most podcast episodes, episodes that I do are just a one take I hit record, I ramble, and uh, you know what? What I get is what I get, right? Well, I I found myself so I don't know if distracted is the right word. I I I found myself so motivated to talk about a variety of topics that I I hit the pause button as I was recording this. And I was like, man, where do I really want to go with this? And to be honest, I don't even still really at this point even really know other than just giving you the disclaimer that um, this may be an extra rambly episode or an extra spicy episode. Um, I getting back to what, how I started this conversation, the premise for this episode was I was working on an article for my website um, and for LinkedIn and while I was doing this, and I mentioned this in my last episode, by the way, someone asked, you know, how do you, how do you create your content for the podcast, which podcast has been around for five years. We have over 350 epi unnumbered episodes. Um, the numbered episodes being, I think this is 340 or 341. So we have a lot of episodes, I guess now actually counting the unnumbered episodes, we're probably close to around 400 episodes, honestly. So someone was asking, you know, how do you find your content? What do you do? And I said, well, 
honestly, just like a simple, a simple headline is enough to really get me, excuse me, get me going about a certain topic. So I was working on a, an article and I was writing like one thing. And then I stumbled across this news article that I was trying to source some information from. And I ended up pretty much trashing the article entirely starting over and getting really motivated about this news article that I was reading. And the news article was basically talking about a Tesla driver who basically got locked out of his vehicle because the technology in the car wasn't working for whatever reason. Like he couldn't get, couldn't get back into his Tesla vehicle. Uh, or actually I think it was that his like battery died. And so he was stuck inside of his car for hours. Like couldn't get out of his Tesla cause the battery was dead and there was some kind of glitch or what have you. I don't know the Tesla, so I don't know the details, but that then led to another article about car subscription services, which this isn't the first time this has popped up in the news. This is actually something that popped up, I think last year, maybe even the year before. But if you haven't been following the news about car subscriptions, it is now the norm in the new car world. BMW charges, I think it's 20 to 30 bucks a month for, actually, let me, let me fact check myself real quick before I start rambling. BMW, um, um, here we go. $18 a month. Okay. So for $18 a month, you unlock the feature of heated seats in your car. And this caused, by the way, this, this came out last year and this caused massive drama. Uh, and I think, I think rightfully so. I think, I think people are right to be frustrated as a consumer, but BMW created a, a subscription service, $18 a month. Your car has heated seats. And if you want to turn them on, you have to pay $18 a month. Now, people who are frustrated by this, consumers who were, were bothered by this, were angry because BMWs are typically a luxury car. And consumers were thinking, well, why am I paying for a nice car that already has the features built into it? but I'm not able to use it unless I pay an additional fee. It doesn't really make sense to me. Now, BMW is not the only business that has done this. Uh, Mercedes-Benz similarly has a subscription service to, I think it's like unlocking uh, higher acceleration and horsepower on the engine. So it's sort of like this digital governor, I guess, on the car, unless you pay the subscription service. Uh, and then Toyota also has a subscription service as well. And, um, I don't know. It's interesting. It's it's interesting how as technology has continued to scale and evolve and grow, how we see businesses engage in practices that are so frankly antithetical to creating repeat customers. And I I, I was having this conversation with somebody today, another business owner, and we were talking about really this conversation of how do you wow a customer. Like, how do you really give someone an experience that is so meaningful that customer walks away thinking, I will buy from you for life, or in the very least, I will recommend you every time your name comes up, which for me, that, that, that would be Chewy's for me. I love Chewy's. In fact, I, I guess I forgot how much I talk about Chewy's because I was, I saw someone today who I hadn't seen in like maybe a year and I mentioned Chewy's offhand and he was like, oh yeah, yeah, you love Chewy's. And I had like this moment of self-awareness of like, what's wrong with me that I clearly like Chewy so much that this guy I haven't spoken to in a year or seen in a year 
was like, oh yeah, I know. I know that addiction you got there. But that that is ultimately what you want your customers, what, what you want their reaction to be like after they're done working with you. So I was talking with this business owner about, okay, how do you, how do you create this experience? Like, how do you, how do you design a business where from the first interaction to the last interaction, someone truly feels like they had a meaningful experience with you. And it's interesting to me that businesses aren't spending more time on this conversation. It's interesting to me that businesses aren't um, investing significant research and innovation in figuring out the science, the, the, the science around the customer science around how to turn these people into raving fans of the business. Cause instead of investing in that conversation, instead of saying, okay, as an automaker, how do we create such a pristine premium experience that someone truly feels like they've engaged in a once in a lifetime purchase, which by the way, most people, they're only going to buy a few cars in their life. I mean, really, you're only going to buy a few cars typically in your life, at most a handful for the average person. Some people are going to buy one car and keep it till the wheels fall off, right? That may be you as you're listening, you know, you may be thinking, yeah, I'm up to, we're on year 15 to 20 and we're really... We're seeing how many miles it's like that old Seinfeld episode where um, they're trying to see how far can the car go uh, before it runs out of gas and they go to like the gas needle falls off. I mean, that may be you in your car. You may be like, yeah, I'm, we are driving until something breaks uh, and that's fine, but you're only going to buy a handful of cars typically in your life. Yet the actual purchase of buying a car despite it being such a significant investment is really a fairly not memorable experience. So it's wild to me that car makers and even dealerships aren't spending more time thinking about this single purchase experience and instead are forcing people to be repeat buyers. I think ultimately as businesses, we are so disinterested and frankly lazy when it comes to thinking about what makes our customers tick. It takes a lot of work. And, and by the way, and, and I guess to, to defend the big car dealerships, a lot of this really isn't scalable, but most people aren't willing to put in the work to understand what their customers are thinking what they're feeling, because the way you figure those things out is by having honest, genuine conversations with your customers. It takes work to have those conversations. You have to actually physically go to them, call them, talk to them. Hey, tell me about this. I want to know more. I think a survey is a good first step, but beyond like the granular data of a survey, there is a living, breathing human there that you, there, there's a nuance there of, I only get so much where I, I have to actually talk to the person to get more insights. Does that make sense? But doing that is a lot of work. Scheduling that, you know, finding time, being an experienced enough business owner or salesperson or what have you to know the right questions to ask. Like this, this is a, it's not necessarily easy to do, 
So the fact that it isn't scalable, I understand to an extent why businesses on the macro scale don't do it more. But here's what disappoints me is the fact that rather than pursue those conversations, rather than figure out, okay, how do I get a customer to want to buy from me again? Instead, it's how do I make the customer have to buy from me again? And so the product that was being sold on the shelf, or in this case, sold on the dealership floor or what have you, that typically had features A, B, C, and D. Now we're stripping away feature D and saying, well, if you want that back, it's gonna cost you $18 a month. And we're forcing our customers to buy from us month after month to get the same features that they had five years ago. I mean, can you imagine 10 or 15 years ago telling someone that heated seats would cost them money one day? Can you imagine explaining that to someone? They would look at you like you were nuts, like you were crazy. You know, another company that comes to mind, I just saw a news article about this today. A uh, Apparently, HP printers have some kind of ink subscription service. I think it's like five or six bucks a month. And they, you subscribe and they send you, um, they send you, uh, I guess ink when you're, when your ink's slow. Well, if you stop paying, because I guess, cause they've lost money on like the singular ink purchase, I guess they make their money over time. But if you stop paying for this service, they will remotely lock your printer. So you have HP customers who not maliciously have done this, but for whatever reason, maybe your bank account, maybe your card number changed. I mean, I got a new card mailed to me, and so my old one doesn't work anymore. This stuff happens, right? Well, there's customers who are angry because they're like, why, why is my printer digitally locked? And that's, that's the world we live in today. Things are so interconnected. They're so, um, you know, the, what we buy from companies these days in fact, I, and I can't think of a good example of this, but some companies even have like terms of use where you agree that you're not really buying it, but you're actually leasing it from them. You know, it's kind of like leasing a modem from your internet company, but in this case, it's like a actual product that you've put in your, excuse me, in your home. You're just leasing it, um, even though you paid for it. And I got to tell you, this is not the pathway to raving fans for your business, forcing people to buy from you, forcing them to slog through the inconveniences of paying what they had five years ago is not a winning strategy. What's more meaningful is having these hard conversations. And, and I think honestly, taking a good look in the mirror and, and, in some cases, realizing you are just like everybody else, you are an average at best business. I think that's actually really, really tough. This, this business owner I was talking to earlier today uh, works in an industry with a lot of competition. And this person individually is an amazing business owner. The business is amazing, is my perspective at least. But he was telling the story about a customer who bought from him and he was asking the customer about their experience. And they said, oh yeah, well, I mean, I, I love you, but I mean your business is really just like anybody else's, which is a little bit of a gut punch. 
it's tough for us to hear this because as a business owner, we have put blood, sweat, and tears into our business. For some of us, like in my case, I literally quit a seventy dollars to $80,000 a year job five, six years ago to do good advice. So I left that money on the table even, knowing nothing about business beyond what I had gleaned from the job I was doing. But I'd never started a business before. And so here I am, painstakingly trying to grow this business, not even really understanding what it is that I offer, not even really knowing what I sell. I joked, maybe it was in the last episode or with someone else I was talking to, but I joked about how those early days of good advice, if you go back and look at my social media, it's a lot of motivational quotes. Um, and I guess I was posting this because I was trying to motivate myself maybe, but it was a lot of, you know, it was the quote wall. It was, you know, the latest quote that would get me excited and motivated and passionate. I think I had a video once, maybe one of my first videos was like, Hey, you can do it. You can do it. <laughs> Which I, I, I don't, it doesn't bother me in the sense of like, I don't think it was bad. Um, I hope somebody was encouraged by it, but like from like a business standpoint, from like the perspective of running a business. Um, I don't know if I was actually doing anything business wise, but I didn't really know what I was selling. I didn't really know what I was doing, but I, I was spending all this time and frankly, mental energy and, and agonizing amounts of emotional energy in trying to build this thing into something that was meaningful. And that's actually still the case today in the sense of, uh, I mean, I know what I sell now, um, I have actual customers now, but I, I, I still go through many of the challenges that a lot of business owners go through, um, working a lot of hours, um, really taking it personal when it comes to how I run my business and how I interact with different customers. So because this is the case for many of us, it is honestly hard for us to have those honest conversations with our buyers to where we realize, okay, yeah, what I'm, what I'm selling is pretty average. It's pretty, the differences are small with my competitors. And I, I don't really know, like for you, for you who's listening, who's maybe you're thinking, okay, well, what do I, what do I do to be different? I don't think the answer is so much just to just be different because being different itself isn't enough. Um, David Breyer, who's a massive branding guy, um, he was on my podcast a few years back and he was talking about this, this conversation of differentiation. And he was like, dude, I could show up with a clown nose and like a funny hat on, and that would be different. But is that really going to get someone to buy from me? No, they're gonna think I'm weird. <laughs> I'm kooky, right? So it's not just about being different for the sake of different. It's different enough for your customer, for them to have, have it's like a, a light bulb moment of insight of, okay, hang on. Huh. That's, that's not what I expected. I think sometimes we try this as business owners and, you know, it, it, it flops, you know, we, we get risky here. I think this is like where you see those offers where it's like, um, 
hey, we'll come do this service for you and we'll do it totally free because we're that confident how much you'll love it. And these are people who are really um, believing they'll get repeat business out of it, which can pan out. Sometimes it doesn't. But thinking about your customer, what truly makes the experience different for them compared to anyone else that they could hire? I'm constantly asking this question to myself as a business coach, as a consultant. I'm constantly asking about myself, okay, my customer, if they went down the street to another consultant, how is it that I'm offering something meaningfully different than a competitor? And naturally, ideally, you know, you're offering more meaningful results. Ideally, you're doing the job better. You know, there's a, a quantifying that's happening around your value, but I think sometimes we're a little bit dishonest with ourselves thinking that we're the best at it. Everyone else sucks at it. You know, of course they're going to work with us and, and maybe I'm being overly humble here. I don't know, but I, I think, I think the space between you and a competitor, I think that gap is, is often a lot thinner than we think it is. I'll never forget a guy who was showing me a journal that he was selling. And he said, what do you think about this journal? And I said, yeah, it looks good. Well, I mean, tell me about your competitor. And he's like, oh, the competitor's terrible. Their journals are terrible. And their kid's competitor was a national brand, a major competitor in a space. And I was kind of like, dude, if these, these two things can't be true, it can't be a national brand who is the industry leader in this category and also be complete trash. Like something doesn't add up there. Now, this does, I'm not to say that there aren't products that get sold in a lot of places that are not high quality, uh, which, which may be what he was implying. But I do think more often than not, we can be a bit rosy, rosy goggled or rosy glassed, whatever the, whatever the, the silly phrasing is. Um, we have a rose colored glasses on and we think, oh, we're amazing. You know, our, our competition is nowhere close. I think sometimes the outcomes are a lot closer than we think, which means then the outcomes by themselves are not always enough to create a meaningful experience for your customer. There has to be more. And the question is, what is that more? What is that thing? What is that thing that a customer experiences in working with you? And again, it's not even customer service, like being polite, being nice, being kind. Customers are honestly getting that from your competitors for the most part. They're getting that in a multitude of places. So being polite and kind isn't enough to create that experience for someone. So what are you offering that is truly creating a meaningful experience for your customer. And I'll be honest, I, I I don't know what that answer is for every person's business, but I can tell you I'm willing to figure it out and I'm willing to talk about it. Um, if you want to talk more, shoot me an email. Let's chat it over. Let's see if we can spitball and figure out what this might look like for each of our businesses. Hey, that's today's episode. Um, if you're charging a scummy subscription service to your customers, please stop. It uh, doesn't mean subscriptions are bad, by the way. But, you know, if you're trying to squeeze out every last dollar, please stop doing that. Uh, let's create some meaningful raving fans for our business. 
which by the way, it, it, 10 years from now, future you will thank you for the business that you've been building as of today. That's today's episode. Thanks for tuning in today, guys. Don't forget, if you enjoy the podcast, make sure you're following and subscribe to the podcast. Again, you can find the podcast on any podcast platform. You can also check out our website, goodadvicecoaching.com. We're active on all social media platforms. You can go to our Patreon, patreon.com slash goodadvice. If you want to just support the podcast for as cheap as $5 a month, uh, that's an, an option available for you as well. And then lastly, if you want your amazing business talked about on the podcast, you can email me, Blake, at goodadvicecoaching.com to find out more. That's today's episode. Thank you guys so much for listening. And that's been today's Good Advice. We'll catch you later.